Okay. It's like midnight where I am. It's like midnight. Really? Where are you at? Naples, She's Florida. in Florida with all the other oh. old retired people. <laughs> That's why it's way past happy hour. I usually have happy hour at 4.30, but I switched it to 7.30. Thanks for that. Oh, anytime. Anytime. You always get up super early, so I'm I'm happy to do it. The hollow buddy. Greetings and salutations, and welcome to the Hollow Bunny Leadership Podcast. I'm Kristen Zeman, and I'm here with my Cutie Pie co-host. I chose Cutie Pie because um, I feel like a little dessert today, so uh, you're a little Cutie Pie. Uh, Sylvia Moyer. Sylvia Moyer, my beautiful cutie pie co-host. We are former police chiefs, but the Hollow Bunny podcast is not just for cops. It's for anyone interested in talking about life and leadership and particularly the lessons that we've learned about both. And those lessons fill up what we call the Hollow Bunny. And that is a metaphor uh, for leadership and filling our bunny. So Sylvia, cutie pie, why don't you tell us who is filling our bunny today? So since I'm a cutie pie, we're going to take a bite of a delicious main course, which is Steve Gord. And not just delicious, like in the creepy way that people are thinking. Steve Gord is a lieutenant with uh, an agency in Northern California. He has dedicated 21 years of his life to various law enforcement assignments. And like we always do, we get some swatologists on our show. These are very uh, tactically sound large men in small shirts. They are uh, they're extraordinary people that uh, really work at mastering their craft and their biceps and how one can have a range of motion in a very tight shirt. Is that isn't that right, Super Guest Steve Gord? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Steve is not just uh, a tactical officer. He is. He's been a patrol officer. He's been a field training officer. He's been a sexual assault detective. He's done a lot of stuff in his career. And you would look at the guy and think that is a specimen of a human being. And he took all of that experience, Kristen, and Hollow Bunny podcast listeners. And he became a certified instructor in a whole bunch of disciplines for science reality-based training, active threat, de-escalation. He is really a remarkable man with a number of specialties that enriches the service of policing. So he is uh, really examining and has examined the impact of human behavior and memory in situations with force and pursuits and those high-stress things where people often lose their mind. They're out of their gourd, Steve Gord. They're out of their mind. <laughs> he's not just your. Have you been actor. waiting to use that? Have you been waiting to use that? That uh, that felt like you came in hot with that. I uh, rolled in. I, I, I feel like you. Yeah, you did. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You, you couldn't know, even you gotta, hold on to it. I couldn't. I oh, I might have been premature in the I use know. of Gord. But okay, so Steve Gord said yes to our begging for him to be on our podcast because he's been committed to enhancing training and furthering education in cognitive psychology, decision-making under stress, memory. He is a leader among leaders, and he is here to enrich every Hollow Bunny Leadership Podcast listener with 
his amazing experience. Ladies and gentlemen, wherever you are, stop and look toward the stars, look toward the sun, and you're going to see <laughs> Steve Gord right there shining upon you. Welcome, Steve. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate that. <laughs> That's I, cool. I'd like to wake up every morning with that introduction. Oh, my gosh. Send like, for us. Um, Send for us. So, well, after that introduction, Steve, I know that you're into cold plunging. So my thought is that Sylvia and I could just show up when you cold plunge every morning and maybe just give you that intro for the day, if that sounds good. Yeah, that I, I wouldn't look my best as getting out, but uh, <laughs> I would, <laughs> it would be a, it would be a bit embarrassing uh, considering the way I do it right now, but. <laughs> uh, oh, I have, I have many follow-up questions, but I'll go ahead and leave that alone uh, just in case children are listening, even though we are explicit. But uh, well, you and I had an opportunity to chat. We've crossed paths when uh, we were at WLLE. Uh, so I got to, to hear a lot about your practice. And I, that's where I want to begin because I am obsessed with, and this is all interconnected. When you mentioned cell, you know, swatology and what you do for a living, and how doing so you have to quiet your mind and your body has to be at the most fit. That's what I'm interested in, in hearing is when you tackle those, you know, high stress incidents, you know, walk us through some of the things that you do in your life that, you know, lend itself to that calmness that, that you have to draw from, you know, when you're in those incidents and start with cold plunging. How did it start for you? So, I, I started uh, back in, it was around 2018. I suffered a few injuries uh, through in 2010. I blew out my knee in 2010. I uh, ruptured my L5 S1 and fractured my sacrum plate. And then in 13, I uh, blew out my shoulder. So at one point I was so sore uh, and just work was uh, fatiguing because of the pain I was suffering that I actually was contemplating it, wondering if I would be able to make it. And that's what kind of led me down. I saw, heard a podcast that someone used a sauna, infrared sauna to become more, uh, reduce their inflammation. So I just kind of started to research it. And I'm someone who loves like scientific research, empirical research, all kinds of studies. So I just kind of went down the rabbit hole and, uh, and started to study like saunas, uh, cold exposure, and eventually started going to a place that had infrared saunas. And then I was able to earn enough trust from uh, my wife that it was going to be a big expense. So she said, you proved yourself. So I started with just a sauna at first and fasting. And I was actually pretty shocked at the... Uh, results I got. I mean, the soreness was going away overnight. And so what I've always been one that adds to a health routine very subtly. I don't like to do things like real abrupt. Uh, so I developed that habit. So sauna, after about a year of just infrared sauna, I added the cold exposure, cold dipping, and it was just in my pool. It doesn't have a heater. So it was roughly about 45 degrees. And so I started with that and that too, like I, my energy in the morning, uh, my focus at work, and then of course, just not having those aches and pains, it was a kind of a lifesaver. I did get promoted during that time and to the rank of sergeant, which took me out of the vehicle primarily and back into the station a little bit. So that helped as well because I could get out of the car that was uh, fatiguing, but the benefits from it, 
I couldn't, I couldn't, I was afraid to share with people because I didn't want to jinx myself. I didn't know if, if it was placebo or not. I asked my doctors doing follow-up, um, but I was able to return to a lot of my normal activity that the doctors were telling me I would probably have to give up. Like my back injury, they said that uh, I'm just going to have to stop with weightlifting. Um, and I've never went back like real heavy, uh, like I did before this, but I was able to return to a lot of activities. Like I, you know, I was still, still real active in sports. I still work out every, every day as much as I can. And then, uh, but it's paid off. Like I can return to all the things that I needed to do in the past. And, uh, the benefits have been great. Well, Steve, I don't know if you know this, but Kristen is a scientist. Um, yeah, I did hear that yeah. on the last podcast. Right. Yeah. She's a scientist. So, so, so I'm, I'm sure she's got a number of um, sciencey questions. I'm just going to, I'm just a normal person. So I want to know uh, a lot about this. What did you actually discover in terms of this distinction? Because you're talking about hot and cold, right? And And you're known as a research guy. Like if there is someone that has uh, an idea they're going to get a cold plunge or an infrared sound, what did you find in the simplest way? Talk to us. What are the things that people can do and what are the benefits about cold plunge and then this infrared space? Because, I, I mean, here's the deal. We are a leadership podcast. We fill people's bunny. You're about to fill the bunny because I'm guessing it's that health stuff that then led you down a path where you could continue to show up and you could lead in a way uh, that really enriched those around you. So this health stuff has leadership benefits. So this isn't just a an off-ramp we're interested in, which we are. But talk to us about the, the big things with the cold plunge and then the infrared. Yeah. So the cold plunge, uh, it was really more of the inflammation and then just the focus in the morning. Um, I did hear Kristen talked last time about uh, the adenosine and holding off on coffee. So I was kind of doing that in the morning and I added the cold dip. First thing I wake up in the morning, I walk straight to the pool. Uh, I have since bought a cold plunge. And so it's now the cold plunge. Okay. It's set for four, 41. Wait, what wait, I 41 degrees. Correct. 41. But it took me forever. It took me a long time to get there, about two years. Okay. So people that. should cut themselves some slack if they're at 56 or whatever. Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. Cool. It just needs, it but just you needs said to be cold you enough to work. Out. Yeah. You said you started out in your pool. So I want you to know that you influenced me so much after meeting you that I started doing it in my backyard. But I feel um, like a total pansy because my pool is like 60 degrees. It's, by all intents and purposes, it's not cold, except my body temperature when I wake up in the morning. I mean, you know, it's in the 90s. So it it's very shocking. And the one thing that I've discovered is that, one, you can't be in a bad mood after a cold plunge. When you go in there and you feel that, it's a shock to your system. And I'm only at, at you know, I'm, I'm at a relatively high temperature. You're 20 degrees cooler than I am. So I don't understand the scientific effects. All I know is that it wakes me up and I feel so happy afterwards. But what is the science behind it? So, so the, the science, there's no real temperature associated with it. The tests basically are in between 55 and 58 degrees. It basically, the scientists say, all the researchers, it just needs to take your breath away. It needs to be cold to the point where you want to get out. Oh, so when you like, get it, like someone I dated once, right? <laughs> 
Yes. Cold and you want to get out. Okay. Got it. Yes. Yes. Okay. I'm just keeping it real for it's the good, whole bunny. Yeah. That's a good association. Okay. Thanks. Okay. So cold. Yeah. So you want to get out. Okay, Steve, keep yeah. going. It takes your breath away. But uh, when you get in and you, it, it's going to take your breath away, definitely you start to breathe heavy. Well, it starts to increase the circulation. So immediately your blood wants to go to your core because it wants to keep your body warm. So it starts that kind of like a, your engine to keep you warm, but then it floods with all your brain gets dumped with uh, adrenaline and epinephrine. And that last, that creates an arc throughout the day, which could really cut down on like that afternoon fatigue. Um, I didn't necessarily, like I read all about it and then I just experimented with it. And I, for me to see the results, it kind of reinforced it. So I kept doing it, kept doing it. And I started with just like a minute and, and built up over time. And then now I, I experiment, like I do silly things. I get out to see till I shiver just to mm -hmm. continue to burn fat because there's a burn, uh, fat burning benefit to cold mm -hmm. dipping as well. Sure. So is that because your metabolism or that your body is working so hard to try to regulate your temperature, then it kind of kickstarts your metabolism? Is that the thought behind it? Yeah, that's correct. It, as soon as you get in, your body believes in your brain starts to believe, holy cow, I'm super cold. I need to work extra hard. And then you're not staying into hypotheria. Like you're not going to go to the point you, you get out after a couple minutes and then it still works really, really hard to warm up. And most people who are entertained by it or ask me questions, I just tell them, you know, experiment 30 yeah. seconds to a minute and then reward yourself with a warm shower because you don't just warm exposure after cold exposure doesn't wear off all those, the, all the endorphins, all the adrenaline and then the dopamine that really, really focused a lot of drive. As I got back to work, I was a lot more mentally focused, which was just kind of a side effect I didn't expect. I read about it, but then once I started experience it, I was like, okay, this is a, this is me. So, so I seem to recall, you said there's a cumulative effect, like 11 minutes a week is. Yeah. So they, yeah, they, they, uh, there's a researcher out of Finland. She, uh, she basically did pretty extensive study and she determined that it's 11 minutes out of a week of cold wow. exposure. You'll, you'll maximize your, the health benefits and you could spread that over seven days or you could do it all in one day. And then anything beyond 11 minutes is basically mental resiliency. That's rad, Steve. Okay. So talk to us. There's obviously health benefit. You've described some of the, Kristen talked about, you just, you're in a good mood, right? Talk to us about how that influences how you show up as a leader in this really tough business that you're in. You know, I've always uh, been a very happy person. Um, I give my mom a ton of credit. My mom raised me and kind of taught me some pretty good values, but I wake up and there, when you wake up with aches and pains and then some of just the, what you see on the news, the things we've gone through over the last four years, but you, you see those things and those are a mental challenge. But when you get into the pool um, and then you just feel excited and then you come to work and you can kind of share that excitement. And it's been, uh, for me, it's kind of kept me out of those down cycles. I didn't have the cold plunge before. And then now my, uh, my attitude and my motivation in the morning is pretty consistent every time I cold plunge. 
That is so interesting. Wow. And so what you had brought up is, you know, how he brings that, you know, into whatever profession you're in, you know, whether you're in law enforcement or otherwise. So there is, um, you know, there's these moments that we have with our profession. Um, we're committed to our jobs, but even if we love our job, um, there are moments where that love falters. And so uh, I talk a lot about optimizing with structure and the way that we can, um, you know, go back to, you know, kind of falling in love with things is to build structure around ourselves. And what people don't realize is that connection between what we do personally to build that structure and how it transcends into organizations. What you've just described is something that you do individually, but but the effects, you know, are vast. I mean, it's a force multiplier in how, you know, you show up in the world. And so, you know, what other things, you know, I'm thinking of, uh, you know, I've got my aura ring and I know exactly what I do, you know, that inhibits sleep. And we know that sleep affects decision-making and not getting enough of it. We know that exercise, you know, and even still stillness and, and meditation, you know, so what do you think about that? Or at least that concept of building a structure, you know, so that you can have that behavior um, for when that commitment or that love falters. Yeah. And I've added all those things you just described. I have the aura ring as well. Um, and meditation, that was something that I always just kind of dismissed. And it was during those stressful times. I was uh, in professional standards and I had to do a, a, an internal affairs on someone who was very close to me. Uh, someone I had a good relationship kind of mentored me in the very, very beginning. And uh, it was it was challenging because PSU, you're alone. You can't go tell your partners, you're bound by that confidentiality. And that's where I leaned on some of these things because uh, I had no one to lean on. And, and I've always felt like our peer support uh, until then uh, ignored the professional standard person because of course they're IA, right? Um, but I utilized, that's where I utilized uh, some of the meditation. And then I built that structure and kind of slow routines over the time. I tried the Wim Hof method, which that that was uh quite interesting as well like i didn't expect some of the effects i got from that which was tell our amazing, listeners but... what that is for those who don't know what that is so wim hof he he is a cold exposure person but he also does this very deep a kind of aggressive uh breathing like in out for 45 seconds and then you on when you exhale then you just don't breathe in and I used to just laugh going, no way someone can hold their breath for two minutes. And then the first time I did it was two minutes and 36 seconds. And there was zero like um, urge to breathe in zero at all. And I just sat there and I don't know what it's like to be high, but that was probably the closest I could argue um, that, that it was, it was like natural. I was so relaxed and I just repeated that cycle over and over and I ended up getting it to a four minute mark of uh, just my breath was held. And it's, it's pretty crazy. You feel weird things in your body, you're tingly all over. And then, and then it just, my focus was really, really good. And then people ask me at work and they'll say, Hey, you're always in a good mood. Do you ever get mad? And, and I'm like, yeah, oh yeah, I get mad, but I try to never show it at work. But, um, and then I tell them what I'm doing. You know, I just share like, hey, here's what works for me. Just give it a try. And then no pressure. 
And Steve, please keep doing what you're doing. Like I am a novice at all the things that you're talking about, but when I do offer some of this in my presentations and I talk about the things that I believe in and that, that will change people for the better, I, I, I'm not even kidding. They glaze over and then I'll get like three people that come up to me at the break or after I'm done and say, Hey, so, you know, I've got the aura ring and I've studied this, but they won't, they won't positively reinforce it. And it's like this, it's, it's just the oddest thing that people are afraid to get on this bandwagon. So the more people like you that we can, we can number one, show the evidence of how it's going to help their lives. So please just keep talking about this to anyone who will listen. Absolutely. I've gotten lucky through work. I was quite surprised as uh, I've always had good connections with people real close with a lot of people. And um, one person asked me about cold dipping. And then next thing you know, like other people came to me. And now we have a whole group of people. I mean, we're talking maybe 30 people. And now our chief's considering getting two cold plunges, one for the women's yeah. locker room, one for the men's. That's how you start a movement. Steve, that's how yeah. you start a movement. Sometimes you have to be the weird guy that dances alone for a little bit. And, and then pretty soon everybody wants to start dancing with you. So that's how you start a movement. So thank you and continue to do that, please. Okay. So I think all of us, Kristen and I, and all the hollow bunny podcast listeners are, are thinking, okay, here's this guy who gives attribution to his mom for his positive mental attitude. He's doing cold plunge. He's doing infrared sauna. He's holding his breath for four freaking minutes. Uh, he's meditating. I, I think what I'm hearing is that you are in a consistent pursuit to explore, to evaluate, and to build kind of this, this uh, mental uh, strength that matches your physical strength, your spiritual strength, your psychological strength, all of that. Is it just one little movement at a time that's led to this whole aggregate of this amazing Steve Gord approach to life? Yeah, it, it has been. It was the injuries. Um, I was competitive my entire life. Uh, and then when I got into law enforcement, you know, my mom, I, I give my mom a ton of credit. You know, she she is kind of like someone I have admired. She raised me. My, my dad was overseas uh, the majority of my life, but they divorced ultimately. Um, but she raised me while going to get her PhD and she worked hard and, but she would always like keep us grounded, like appreciate what you have. Um, and she just reinforced, like she said, you support the underdog. Don't ever give that up. Like, don't ever be afraid to defend the underdog. So that was kind of my thing. So when I got on the SWAT team, I didn't really need to, I didn't feel like it, I needed to be that competitive person. Like i I'm not there to be number one. I was there just to be the best version of me. And the only person I really wanted to be proud of me was my mother. And, mm. and then of course now my child and, and my wife. Uh, but uh, so when I got on the team and then eventually got off the team, uh, I, all I did is just kind of focus. It was that slow buildup of experimentation and, and hearing success through research and then saying, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to give that a shot, but I, I did it just by myself. And some of my close friends at work, I have one, uh, Taylor, she would just tease me and she's just like, man, you do the wildest things. You're like a hippie in the middle of the night. Is she and, wrong? Cause I have, is she wrong? No, no, I do a stretching routine before I have a whole nighttime routine and a whole bedtime routine, but I'm not, I'm not tied to it. So okay. if I, if I miss it, no big deal. Do you make your bed before you leave home? I do. 
I do. Yeah, I talked Did to you somebody. Did you honestly think he was going to say no? Did you think he was going to say no? No, because he's rad. He's a bed maker. I talked to somebody today <laughs> who I love, and she said, yeah, I stopped making my bed. I'm like, how are really? you so successful and you leave home without making your bed? This is going to be a study we're going to have to encounter. So it, it's so interesting because you have this kind of pursuit of this physical, mental mastery, and you also sought uh, a specialty in cognitive psychology, use of force policing. What's the marriage? What's the relationship? Is there a correlation or are these just separate things? And why? I think it uh, was just purely by accident. I um, I went away to college. Uh, I was going to follow the footsteps of everybody in the family and join the military, but they encouraged me to go get an education. And so I did that. And then uh, I took a couple kinesiology classes, which I was extremely fascinated. I played sports my entire life, but to see how the brain and body work together mm. in movement so of course, always being fascinated with research, uh, at the time there was no internet. I didn't have internet in the college. Uh, so I'd go to the library and read all these things. And, uh, I, I was enthralled and fascinated with, um, the study of human error and especially in aviation and in the medical field. And I always wanted to be in law enforcement. And at the time I just kind of I was working at the district attorney's office at, where I was at college and they had not uh, qualified for years they were out of compliance so qualified they asked me if, with their pistols with their they pistols. Carried pistols and didn't qualify with them is that what yeah, we're the hearing DA, yeah the DA investigators so I uh I assisted with that well I just finished a study in um in on the military, how the military used arcade games to help people <laughs> in combat, prepare for combat. So I took Nintendo and brought it to work and all these investigators were playing it. Uh, and then they went to the range and surprisingly, they all qualified. I don't know if there's an actual correlation, but. No, there totally is. There, There's an absolute correlation. It's one of the things that Axon is doing right now also for um, the Taser 10. You know, they have a, they created a zombie game uh, where, you know, that's how they train and get feedback and that translates into real time. So um, I was, I, I was actually a really, um, I was the naysayer when it came to video games, especially with my boys. I was like, get, get out of the room and stop playing. And then I started researching and there is a lot of science and how it attributes to, you know, cognitive ability and translates into physical ability as well. So I'm, I'm a believer in that. Yeah, it was, it's been interesting. And then when I first got into law enforcement, I just kept thinking to myself, like I went to my very first trainings and I, I thought, man, there's so much research. And I, sometimes I felt like we aren't training the way we should be training, but I was a brand newbie. So I just kept my mouth shut, worked hard. And uh, as I slowly earned my way onto the training staff, I'd slowly introduce things and I got shut down. I was the bookworm. I read too yeah. much psychology. So over time, I just, I never gave up and I self-educated myself. And through the years, I put myself through a ton of schools and uh, eventually, took over the entire force options unit. And now we, since about 2006, 2007, we've been implementing the, uh, a lot of those things, human performance, cognitive psychology, uh, into our trainings. And I've seen the benefits and they perform great. 
Okay, so they perform great, and then how do you how do you speak to how all of these practices and all of the training that you focused on really improves the actual performance in those times of chaos and those critical moments? How do you how do you talk about that? How do you describe that for folks? So sometimes I put them through things like we recently had a departmental training to, to where there was more testing. So I explained testing, uh, desirable difficulties, uh, delayed feedback, uh, interleaving of topics and, and then trying to convince a bunch of police officers after training, Hey, you should really go home and get a good night's sleep is uh, laughable. But I've had actually people say, Hey, I, I listened to what you said and I did it. And it was very interesting. And I get these uh, correlations or stories where people will say, Hey, wow, I was, I was in a situation exactly like your training. It was almost identical to what you scripted. Now I appreciate that. And I just think that's kind of fate. It just worked out that way. But, um, I started with the introduction of body worn cameras. I just started is learning occurring and you needed to do audits to see if the trainers, what the trainers are teaching is actually working, coming, uh, working into the streets. And uh, a lot of times I put that pressure on the trainers is if someone is not performing, where have you failed them? And, mm. you know, pick it up because, uh, and, and then don't be afraid to give someone special attention because I'm sure both of you have heard it through your careers where someone shows up to training, everybody says, oh, that person's horrible. And then no training staff ever takes any time to provide them individualized training because it's not popular. There's nothing wrong. Uh, I, I steal it from another agency. They called their training the lab and were training. Uh, training is considered the lab for science. You go in there and that's where you've kind of, it's okay to make mistakes. And that's where learning occurs. And I'm going to steal that. And I try to tell people it's okay to make a mistake and it's better here than out on the street. And yeah, so I, well, this is what I want to pause here for just a minute, because all of the things that you're talking about are things that will enhance performance, not only, uh, I mean, it's going to optimize performance, not only in attitude, but also in, you know, behavior and, you know, in, in physical um, response, right? So why is it that we have such a, a hurdle and trying to get people on board with this, because I mean, just in that 20 minute conversation I had with you, I, I wanted to try the cold plunge and just see the effects it had on me after studying the aura ring and the effects of sleep and decision-making, I wanted to try to get better. What is the barrier? When I talk to cops, their eyes, I, 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 they glaze over when I talk about how sleep impacts their brain, when I talk about how silence um, has a quality and dimension all its own, how 20 minutes of sitting quietly and then going on a walk lights up your brain, literally fires the neurons so you think better, you're more creative, you make better decisions. This is no-brainer stuff, right? This is stuff that you can do, um, we can all do individually. What is the hangup? What is the barrier? Why do we struggle trying to convince people to do this stuff? So part of me thinks that there's not enough people, enough of us who perform the actual practices, right? So the mm -hmm. more of us who actually do it and can speak on their behalf, and if you're respected, then people will listen. Um, a little bit might be ego where, nope, that's all witchcraft and I'm not interested. I just want to do CrossFit. Um, and, 
you know, which some would argue that's witchcraft, but, uh, I don't want to offend anybody, but, uh, you're going to say something. <laughs> um, She's throwing tires and shit a lot. Okay. He's a CrossFit okay. stud. So tread lightly there, mister. Yeah. Look at her. Oh, I'm, yeah, I'm not, I'm not knocking it, but it's, it's a, it's kind of like tribe mentality is, 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 uh, is CrossFit. And that's kind of the same angle as you have to make it fun because there are direct benefits like the shift, shift work, right? If an agency or, or the leaders among it, uh, focus on shift work and, and the benefits of if you're stuck on a midnight shift for an entire night, I mean, for an entire year like that, that eventually takes a toll with attitude, poor decision-making, um, being grumpy, poor diet. Uh, and then what could we do to at least minimize the, the side effects and cold plunge is one of them. If you cold plunge and you come to work right after, and then you have a good briefing that's positive and the sergeant and the lieutenants are all like real positive, you know, you still deliver bad news if you need to, but, um, be positive, get people smiling when they go out on the street and then taking those health steps. Uh, and I think a lot of it's just unknown. I I've participated in a few sleep studies and I, at one point our agency, uh, participated in a urban shield, um, in the first year. And I, I reached out to Stanford to see if they'd be willing to, um, you like study our team from a, from, from a sleep standpoint and decision-making and they said yes, but then the agency said no. Well, so. well, because what you are both speaking to is the degradation in performance when someone doesn't sleep. And Kristen has really nudged me into examining how much I sleep. And, uh, you know, we, we, all of us in the training environment were, really taught that there are elements of human training and human performance. And I can't help but think that the practices that you're talking about enhance them. And they are known as alertness or arousal. So you've got to have somebody alert and aroused to what's about to occur and the attentiveness and then competence, right? And I think what you're saying is that you recognize there are other ways to train. Once you establish yourself and you had some cred, you started kind of oozing your enthusiasm and your desire for these evidence-based practices and some of the science that goes behind training. And then you had this crazy and ridiculous optimism around, let's just try something new. And I'm not sure that's common, Steve Gord. I'm not sure that's common. But you think that what I just described really did make the difference in kind of creating this space for folks to perhaps look at training differently? Yeah, absolutely. And Kristen mentioned stillness and it's amazing how stillness could benefit you like emotionally regulating your emotions and just bringing calm to your, to your inner self, right? That parasympathetic versus sympathetic, but it's amazing how stillness after training could reinforce the neural connections between working memory and long-term memory and how you can reinforce and take some of what you learn through the day. And that could be as little as five minutes. Mm -hmm. me, me suddenly telling a classroom full of cops, okay, hey, we're going to take five minutes and everybody close their eyes and just think for a second. They're all just racing to get out of here. But when I develop training and the instructors that work for me, uh, I tell them you have to take that into consideration. They don't want to be here because it's their day off. So let's make it fun. Let's tap into some of those, like the 
adrenaline, the dopamine, and what could we do to make it fun and impactful? And then those deliberate difficulties that we present to them. Um, and then, and then talk to them about some of the things we're doing, such as cold dip, sauna, fasting, all sure. that stuff. So two, two things on that one, I think it's, it's all in the way that you package it, right? If you sit, if you say, all right, cops, I want you to sit and meditate for a minute. They're going to think this is bullshit and it's, it's, you know, it's juju, right? But if you say, okay, we're going to practice our tactical breathing, which can benefit you. It slows your heart rate down. If you're in, involved, you know, if you get injured on the street and once you reframe it or, Hey, I want you to think about for just some quiet time on what you just learned in this training. So it solidifies cognitively, then cops will go, okay, that makes sense. So I think it really is, is the way that you frame it. And the one thing that, that I really just want to land on here, because I think what people think when they hear you is that this is all extreme. This is extreme stuff. You know, this cold plunging and this, you know, it's all extreme when the fact is it's not. And so what I want to encourage our, our listeners, our, our bunnies out there, our millions of listeners, is that 1% better. You don't have to wake up tomorrow. You don't have to cold plunge. You don't have to do breathing exercises, stretching and all of the things. Do one thing. Just one thing tonight, try to turn your device off before you go to bed a half hour before you go to sleep, because that's going to help get you into deep sleep. And that's going to help you feel better. Do one thing tomorrow morning. Do one thing. Just get up five minutes earlier and and just sit in stillness. Think about your day. And just those little things, they're not extreme things. That makes us one percent better. So I don't want to overwhelm people. You know, and you know, I just I want people to start where they are. That's how it all started. That's how it all started is it wasn't extreme for me. It was just one little tiny thing at a time. And, and I gave it, it was like 60, 90 day experiments. And it was just that small little thing, three minutes in the pool. And then when I started to see it, I slowly, I wasn't interested in building more. It just, I continued to go down the research health and I realized how important health like even, even Pilates yoga for the back, you know, you wear that gun belt for 20 years. And if I would have been told when I first started, Hey, do Pilates and yoga, I, I'm sure my back would be under, be a lot better today than it was 20 years. I mean, than it is now versus 20 years ago, but small little baby steps, tiny habits. Yeah. Kristen and I talk about that quite a bit. One little thing at a time. That's where we started talking about Ryan Holiday's uh, book, stillness is the key, right? And we were talking about discomfort. We've been really exploring a lot of this stuff. And you bring a really interesting perspective in after training, stillness, that calm, quiet, motionless space, and to sit and know you're sitting, just to be still with no expectation of action, of movement, of thinking, to just be. And how many of us can report that the answer came to us in that moment where there's stillness and there is no sound. And to do it after training, I can't help but really uh, think about what that might mean for folks as they kind of res as uh, they reflect on the training that you provided. Yeah. And that's the ultimate goal is, is to just arm them with a few more things that'll keep them safer on the street. And, and in an era where articulation is key, uh, the more knowledge they have, um, the better they're armed with why they made certain decisions uh, in critical moments. 
Yeah. And, and Steve, this is, as you know, and we know we have a lot of listeners that aren't in law enforcement and how this can also help them in their own lives and help them control. These are tools, you know, to help us control emotions and to, you know, even help us during hard conversations and challenges that we have both in our work and, and personal life. So all of this is, it, it just transcends into all of our worlds and no matter what profession that we're, that we're in. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge today. I very much appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. So I guess uh, we would ask this, just like we ask of a bunch of folks. Well, first of all, Steve, you've given us some some things that not only fill our bunnies, but really nudge us to commit to doing one new thing at a time that will lead to this aggregate growth and how we show up as leaders. But we always ask somebody, what fills your bunny, Steve Gord? What fills my bunny is, is just being genuine at work and seeing the genuine in people. And that's just also the people that I work with and the people that I encounter, you know, I've been privileged and taking a moment and just uh, like appreciating what I've been able to accomplish in life and through my career. And that warms me up. And if I can, people made my dreams came tr come true uh, to where I am today. And so if I can offer that to other people, other officers, um, and then people I interact with uh, just in everyday, everyday work um, and life. But it's, uh, that, that really motivates me is just be genuine, be real, connect. And everything that we do to, you know, help ourselves and all of the things that you've talked about help how we show up in the world and, and how um, we connect with others. So it's, it's, it's all interconnected, every single piece of it. So thank you so much. You have filled my bunny today. Uh, my chocolate bunny is feeling a little svelte. I think uh, from cold plunging, it's, it's getting a little skinnier. So <laughs> I love that. Don't put it in the infrared. Yes, don't do that. No, no, we don't want to melt the bunny. So thank you so much for being here. And we want everyone to know that Ted Madden produces this podcast. And the song that you are about to hear was written and performed exclusively for us by my handsome and talented son, Jake Zeman, and his friends, Fabian and Zoe. And I'm going to try something new, Sylvia. Um, you know, I tell people, please like the podcast, subscribe. But instead, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to tell them, you know what? I hope no one's listening. Don't tell anyone about this podcast. Just keep it to yourself because, you know, that's like the supply and the demand. You know, people just start whispering about things. So don't tell anybody. Don't don't even tell anybody. It's reverse psychology. Do you think it will work? I I think there's a lot of data that we can collect on the other side. Okay. All right. We'll do. We'll do. Cause I am a scientist and I, yes, I collect data. So, so yeah, don't, don't bother liking the podcast. In fact, don't tell anyone about it, but what we do want you to do is keep filling your own bunnies with substance and please continue to add substance to others. Bye everybody. When you look inside, what do you find? Are you content to fall behind when you Hello, buddy. And we all feel hollow.
mighty strength to change the world. You've got a small, small, it takes a leader to say, I don't know it all. And I know I'm gonna fall, but I'll pick it up and come back stronger, failing forward and moving onward. Yeah.